I think I'll let you sit down the whole time. We won't stand up today, I don't think, although you never know. A little up, down. Oh, man. Um, so today we're going to talk about death. Uh, and it's a hard one to figure out how to talk about it. Uh, before we get there, though, I want to, what I've really enjoyed about uh, our series so far is, I'm not sure how you felt when you heard we're going to read the Psalms and work through them. Uh, it's just been about life. And I have really appreciated it. Anyone else? We have explored the mountaintops, right? Joy, community. We've been down the valleys, sadness, today, death, and all the in-betweens. Enemies, anger, how to pray, how to order our lives. Um, I'm reading off this reflections card. Is anyone listening to the podcast? Anybody? A couple people? Good, good. So if you don't know, we've been doing is we just want these words to be in our heart as we move into Sunday. So as we're preparing to come here together, we've been recording these podcasts, and there's just, it's like seven to ten minutes. And uh, you're going to hear the word read, but also we kind of dwell on the theme for a couple minutes. It's funny, I've been finding, as I've been doing this, whatever the theme is, I'm finding in my week. It's kind of weird how the Lord does that. So if you don't know how to do it, there's a QR code. If you don't know how to do that, you can go to the website. If you don't know how to do that, write me an email. If you don't know how to do that, find me afterwards. I'll help you. Sound good? All right. So as I've been thinking about today, um, so the psalm we're going to read is Psalm 88. Uh, it is, uh, many think it's, 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 it's a really weird psalm that's in the Bible. It ends hopeless. It ends in darkness. And I think people often wonder why. Like, why would this be in the Bible? Why is this inspired by the Holy Spirit? Why? Why is there no hope? So it's a tough one to wrap my mind around. Actually, I, I know of a pastor who taught on it and, uh, I mean, read it, like straight out of here. And afterwards, an angry person came up and said, that is not in the Bible. And he said, well, it is. It's right here. So it's, it's a little confusing. So as I've been preparing, there's been three words that have been coming to mind for me. And I'm going to share them with you. I think, I think I'll say this a lot today. You're never quite sure. Three words are this. Silent, not absent. Silent, not absent. So especially when it comes to God, I think when he is silent, me, historically, I think that he is absent. When I don't hear from him, when he does not answer my prayers, when he's silent, I think that he is absent. My hope today is that we can begin to unwind those words. Because I don't think when he's silent that he is absent. I think I make a pretty good case pretty quickly by using this. So Deuteronomy 31, 8, Moses is talking to the people of God. Who's the people of God? That's us still, right? All right, we're the people of God. And he says, the Lord himself goes before you, will be with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Do not be afraid, do not be discouraged. So that's the Father. All right, well, so God says he's with us, the Father. What, what about Jesus? What, what did Jesus have to say? In Matthew 28, as he's leaving this earth to go back to the Father, he says, and as surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. So the Father's with us. The Son is with us. What about that Holy Spirit? Well, when Jesus is talking to his friends in the upper room, he says, I'll ask the Father. He will give you another counselor to be with you forever. Father, Son, Spirit, with you forever, will not forsake you, always with you. What about like, what are, what are other people saying that maybe the psalmist had maybe heard? Well, Psalm 139 in verse 7, he says this, this is David. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go to the heavens, you're there. If I make my bed in the depths, which is where we'll be today, you are there. 
Father, Son, Spirit, other people, believe that God is with them. But what do we do when God is silent? That's where we're explored today. Okay? So I've been trying to wrap my mind around this. And uh, I read a, in a book called God on Mute, good for silence, right? And, and a chapter called Engaging the Silence, also helpful for today, a story. And the story is about a dad trying to teach his son how to ride a bike, which I think I'm going to start soon. So if you have pointers, tell me, all right? Here's the story, though. So the dad has his son, and they're on the road, and he's going to teach him how to do this. Takes off the training wheels, good first start. And he's next to his son, and they're running up and down the street. And he's right next to his son. But the son is holding the bike and is holding his dad by the shirt. And he's not letting go of either. And he is yelling and screaming, do not let go of me, daddy. Do not let go. And so they're just running up and down the street. And soon he's exhausted. I think he notices some neighbors maybe smiling with amusement, watching this all transpire. And so he's like, you know, okay. Like, do you want some, you want to help out? They said, yeah, help you out. They probably have done it before. So if you want him to learn how to ride the bike, you have to stand behind him. He can't see you. If he sees you, he won't let go of you. But if he's going to learn how to ride a bike, you stay behind him. He knows you're there because he can hear you somewhat, but you can't respond to his cries for help if you want him to learn to ride the bike. He said eventually you will let go. He'll probably fall. He'll get cuts and bruises. He'll be really mad at you. And he'll tell you all about it. I have a child sometimes when it doesn't go the way that she hopes, it takes a while to try again, right? We're kind of like that as people. But eventually, if you keep going, they will learn how to ride the bike. But you have to be silent, but not absent. I know that riding a bike and death are very, very different. But it's helped me start to make some sense of this a little bit. Why is God silent? but not absent. So I started talking to people about this week. Is this, this ringing true, making sense to you? They said, yeah. I talked to a grandpa who was trying to teach his, oh, his two-year-old grandson wanted to climb, uh, do the monkey bars. And he wanted to do it by himself. So grandpa said, okay. So grandpa, what did he do? He stood behind, but he's two, and you can't let him fall on the ground. That'd be bad. He wants to watch him again, right? So he stays behind, though, and lets him learn how to do the monkey bars. So he's silent. He's not absent. I said, okay. Talk to someone else. I said, this makes sense to you? He said, yeah, when I was learning how to drive a car, my dad just took us to a backcountry road. He got out of the driver's seat, said, get out of the car, put me in the driver's seat, sat down next to me, and he said, drive. He said, he didn't say a word to me. I learned how to drive, but he didn't say anything. I knew he was there, but he didn't say anything to me. He didn't tell me what to do. Okay. Talk to another person this week. I hope, I hope we're thinking about this. I want it to connect with everyone's life in some way. Silent, but not absent. This is how we learn things. This is how we learn to do life. I know it's different than death. Talk to a football player. So I was learning the playbook for a while. I got to be a little bit older, junior, senior year. My coach started letting me call the audibles all by myself. They were coaches' plays. But he let me call them. And he stood on the sideline and he was silent. Well, I learned how to call the plays. Silent, not absent. So I hope today, it's a hard one to understand. And I think it's something that we just have to navigate through life. But I, I really believe with all my heart that the Lord never leaves us. 
but I do think it matters where I'm looking, okay? One last example, which I just thought was fun. Uh, I learned that babies, uh, when, they're first, when they're little, if you take away their toy, they, cease, they, they believe that toy ceases to exist. That toy is just gone. It never was. It was not there. But as that baby gets bigger, that baby learns that even though you've taken away the toy, the toy is somewhere, and they'll start looking for it. We all die some point in time. And I think a really good God helps us understand that he is with us in all these little things and big things so that when we get to those kinds of things, the hardest things, we can be sure because of our life experience that he is silent. He didn't answer, perhaps, but he is not absent. Is that making sense? Sort of? No? Okay, we'll keep going. All right. So I want to read the psalm. We're going to read it first. And at the back end of the service, you're going to listen to it. We've been encouraging our church in general to consider writing, creating, doing something to make a psalm, right? I had not done that yet. I'm going to confess that to you, but I worked on it this morning. So we want you to think about it. Take your life story, read the psalms, listen to the psalms, and would you create your own psalm with the Lord? That's what we're asking you to do, and we want you to share it. Because I think one of the things we do in life is we assume that we're the only people going through what we're going through. And if I read these, all 150 of them, if I look at all these major themes, situations are different, but the things are the same. So that is a lie, and we all go through the same things in life. People are living for thousands of years, and we can read these, and these are words we can use to help us through those things. So if you would create one and share it, it might help someone else navigate the same thing. That's part of being the body of Christ, Okay. So I'm going to read it, and we're going to have an original song of Psalm 88 on the back end. But here's this, Psalm 88. I think we have the page somewhere. O Lord, the God who saves me, day and night I cry out before you. May my prayer come before you. Turn your ear to my cry. So he believes that God saves him. That's how he begins. But then, for my soul is full of trouble. My life draws near the grave. I am counted among those who go down to the pit. I'm like a man without strength. I am set apart with the dead, like the slain who lie in the grave, who remember you no more, who are cut off from your care. You have put me in the lowest pit, in the darkest depths. You, yours, God, your wrath lies heavily upon me. You have overwhelmed me with all your waves. You have taken me from my closest friends and have made me repulsive to them. I am confined and I cannot escape. My eyes are dim with grief. So I call to you, O Lord, every day. I spread out my hands to you every day. Do you show your wonders to the dead? Do those who are dead rise up and praise you? Is your love declared in the grave, your faithfulness in destruction? Are your wonders known in the place of darkness or righteous deeds in the land of oblivion? But I cry to you for help, O Lord. In the morning my prayer comes before you. Why, O Lord, do you reject me and hide your face from me? From my youth I've been afflicted and close to death. I have suffered your tears and in despair. Your wrath has swept over me. Your tears have destroyed me. All day long they surround me like a flood, and they have completely engulfed me. You have taken my companions and loved ones from me. The darkness is my closest friend. People of God, it's the word of God. That's better than the first service. I said that in the first service, and no one said that. So I wonder why. So what I want to do 
here in the next couple minutes is I want to talk about death. Right? Let's talk about death. But then the psalmist who's writing is not dead. But he feels like he is. So we're going to talk about what I'm calling living dead. But then the early church did something amazing because the psalmist didn't know about Jesus. And they took this psalm and they flipped it upside down. Okay? So that's what we're going to do. I read a quote by a guy named Henry Nouwen about death. He says, it's important to be prepared for death. Very important. But if we start thinking about it only when we're terminally ill, our reflections will not give us the support that we need. So what I'm struck by um, is our desire to just escape death or to just jump over it or not deal with it or numb ourselves from it. But it's a part of life. Even as Christians, I read a story about a person who was at a funeral. I just want to say, so death is bad and we should just let it be. It is bad. I think I was reading someone said that Psalm 8 is here because the Holy Spirit wants us to know that. It is not what they want. It's not what the Father, Son, Spirit wants. It is horrible. Jesus on the cross said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? It is terrible. Let it be. It is not how it's supposed to be. So I was reading this story. This person's at a funeral. A funeral for a young father who died of a heart attack. Four little kids. And he said he went to it and it was great. Uh, well, parts of it. He said they're talking about heaven and forever. All true things, all good things. They were singing songs and they were dancing the aisles. Yes, because he, is, he loved Jesus and he is still living. But then they were singing a song towards the end. that said, oh Lord, show us your power. And he looked down the aisle and there's a seven-year-old girl looking at her daddy's casket longingly, singing the song, God, show me your power. And he went home and thought, how fragile is our faith? that we can't allow ourselves to be sad for a little bit, that we can't allow ourselves to be confused for a little bit. Yes, hope of heaven, but it is okay to be sad. It is okay that death breaks us. It is okay. have to slap verses on things. God knows those things are all true. They are true. Why don't we allow people to be sad? Why is that? I'm actually curious. See, I think when we allow death to be what it is, uncomfortable, perhaps like that moment there, you probably wonder if I forgot what I was going to say. But when death is as bad as it is, it makes what Jesus did that much better. I have a memory of experiencing death and I could not wait for Easter Sunday because it made what Jesus did that much bigger. But the author of that book said the problem is is that we just, we jump over the painful part. It's like I actually pay attention, been paying attention. Easter, right? Monday, Thursday, pretty well attended. Good Friday, pretty well attended. Holy Saturday, when God was silent, not so much. 
Easter, we're all here. Why do we skip over the silence? It's hard. It's uncomfortable. It's supposed to be. So I just want, if anyone's dealing with death, let it be sad. Let it break your heart. And let Jesus come be with you in it. But just let it be. But the psalmist is not dead. Oh, I forgot one thing I want to say. Death does a beautiful thing. Death reorients our lives. Death is horrible. But when we experience death, for those of you who have experienced it, I'm looking in the room, it reorients things. Things that matter no longer do. Things that didn't now do. We did Ecclesiastes for what? A whole fall. What did that whole thing boil down to? We live and we die. We get to enjoy today. Enjoy the moments. Enjoy your people. When we experience death, if we let it, little things become great things. It's the weirdest thing. Some of my favorite memories of people are around death. My favorite moments with my family were around somebody leaving to go be with Jesus. I don't know why that is, but I remember them more than anything else. It's like this past week, we had family in town, and they were camping at the North Overlook, and it was hot last week, right? I didn't camp. I went home at night. Our family did. But what was so fun was in the hot, so hot, was watching these little people just love life. And I felt like, as I was thinking about today, the Lord was saying, stop, and you better enjoy this. This is as good as it gets. I remember a while back, it was said in this room that we think that we get judged for what we did wrong when we get to heaven. Well, we love Jesus, we're seeing Jesus as Jesus is. That's good news. But the thought of the day, back this day, was that the Lord also asked, what did you do with all of my good gifts? In death, if you let it, you will notice more things. Sunshine on blonde hair, smiling faces and laughter at nothing. Backyards with kids playing. You'll just sit and enjoy because we don't know how much time we have. But the psalmist is not dead. But he feels like he is. Did you read it? Did you hear it? So I've read different things about this, about this passage. Some people think that the psalmist was ill, that he was suffering from something, perhaps. I don't know. Other people thought different things, so it's hard to know. But what I was drawn to was that he keeps talking about water. He keeps like flood, the floods are washing over him. He's overwhelmed. Right? So I, the other day, I'm teaching one of our kids to swim, trying to, and she was in the water in a place where she was safe, just so you know. But it was up to her chin, and the water started moving. I think it started moving up and above her mouth a little bit, and she got really scared because she couldn't, she just couldn't quite breathe. It was just scary. And you ever been treading water for a long time, and the water starts coming up? You're not sure? So she cried for daddy. I went and grabbed her. But I, th I think that's how the psalmist feels. I don't know what's going on in life for sure. But I think he feels like he can't keep his head above the water 
and no one's there to save him. He thinks all by himself. He tells a bunch of times that he's lost his friends, his companions, he's all alone. So I'm wondering why he keeps bringing up water and why he keeps saying that it's God's water. Your waves have overwhelmed me, yours. And I'm not sure if I'm right or not. This is me. If if I'm wrong, tell me later. But he would have a, a really, he would know the Bible, right, before. He would know it very well. Well, in Genesis 1, it says this, that earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. So Sheol, destruction, this place, this pit is this place of chaotic nothingness. Where he feels like he can't breathe. He feels like he can't keep his head above the water. What does God do in that chaotic nothingness? He brings order. He separates. He restores. He creates something. I think, I wonder if he's remembering those things. He's saying, God, you made this water. This is, you made this world. Would you come bring order to my life? But the psalmist doesn't know about Jesus. He doesn't know about Jesus going to come and do. And so what got me thinking, though, was I find that I get really frustrated with people. Am I the only one? Frustrated with people who don't think like me or don't see things like me. And I know who Jesus is. And I know what Jesus has done. And I know the kingdom of God is never in trouble. And I get angry and frustrated. Well, I'm thinking this psalm ends in darkness. There's nothing else. What good can come from death? What good can come from me not being alive? What good can happen? So Mamie, my wife helped me. I see people who I'm like, instead of becoming angry with people, I've been reading the psalm and saying, what do they think? It ends in darkness? Well, then why wouldn't they get whatever they could in this life? Why wouldn't they cheat each other and betray each other? Why wouldn't they get angry? Why wouldn't they try to destroy each other? Why wouldn't you not? This is all you have. This is it. It ends in darkness. I'll do whatever I want. Now, okay, but I don't believe that. So how am I going to show them that? By feeding into their darkness? Right? We talk about anger and enemies, betrayal, talk about all these things. Do, do I play into it and do the same thing? Or do I need to be gracious? You know, Deb read, the Lord God, his self-description, he is compassionate, gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in love. He's got all kinds of love, and he forgives everything. If you ask, do I do that? I'm made in his image. I'm supposed to represent him to people who think it ends in darkness. And they're just barely breathing. Or could I be different? It's been really convicting this week. Don't you love when the Lord does that? So, this song, it is, whoo. It's the one that no one knew what to do with. The early church saw something in it. And I love it. Because that's not what we believe. We don't believe it ends in darkness, right? Well, in the King James Version, I'm not sure who reads the King James Version, verse 5, it says, I am set apart with the dead. In the King James Version, in previous versions, it says that the person thinks they are free among the dead. Well, he was trying to be separate. He like, thought he'd be separated from God. But the early church said, oh, but guess what? Who was free among the dead? Who came to be free among the dead? Jesus. So they took this dark psalm, full of darkness, and said, oh, it became this emblem of hope amongst death. You ever read Psalm 22, 
when Jesus cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? You ever read that? You, you keep reading ever? The psalmist feels like there are lions surrounding him. Feels like there's these mighty bulls of Bashan, weird things in the Old Testament surrounding him. I wonder sometimes when Jesus died on the cross, what he saw. Was there evil surrounding him, thinking they had won? But then it's like we hear all the time, Jesus closed his eyes and guess what? He opened his eyes. And who was he then? King Jesus. And he went down to hell, bam! And he said, I am here and I have arrived. You can be free among the dead because I am and I did it all for you. So they took this, this awful psalm and said, this is it. Yes. Death, where's your victory? Where is your sting? No more. It is awful. Death is terrible. It is so hard. It breaks you. But it's not the end. So death and life. Next we're moving into life. So I think that, so we know what death is. We know that we're going to die. And when there's all these people who are living dead, well, we can truly live. And we can be totally different. I have this memory. So there's this line in here. The, the psalmist says his eyes are dim with grief. His eyes are full of darkness. What did Jesus say about eyes being full of light and full of darkness? Matthew, the eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are good, your whole body is full of light, but if your eyes are bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. I wonder, there's this phrase, where are your eyes? What are you looking at? Because if the Lord is never absent, if he's always around somewhere, he's always doing something, are you looking for what he's doing even in death, even in darkness? Because he's around. So I was, Kelly and I were sitting with her dad as he was just about to go meet Jesus. And we were reading some psalms to him. So we weren't sure what, what, what to read. And his eyes were dim. He was getting ready to go be with Jesus. And we were just reading. And then we thought, you know what? I know that Mike has been praying for people his whole life. For people who do not yet know who Jesus is. And we said, hey, let's pray for those people. And as soon as we did, his eyes opened up and he was lucid and he was with us on death's door getting ready to go and we said what about those people who don't know yet he was back and he was saying amen and we were praying together that is truly living I watched that as seared in my brain I want to be a person who lives like that who loves people like that who sees people like that even in face of death there's still life So I have a, whew, it's hard to transition from those things. I have a line from Martin Luther King Jr. I have three things for us to think about. He said this, as my sufferings mounted, I realized that there were two ways I could respond to the situation, death, darkness, either to react with bitterness, which would just destroy me, or seek to transform the suffering to a creative force. Things that are creative are life-giving. So you take what is bad, what we say the Lord does. Take, he works within bad things and does good things. It's mind-boggling. That's what he wanted to do. He wanted to create something new. So I'm thinking about that, a creative force. How in the midst of darkness can we do something that brings life? Because three things just to think about. First, it's a weird phrase. It's get right by looking at a tree. Creative, creation. So I think that's what I, I didn't understand it for a long time. But now I start, I'm looking at trees all the time. My wife can tell you this. She goes, what are you doing? I'm looking at trees. Why? I don't know. I'm just looking at trees. 
But when you look at a tree for a while, you know what you start thinking about? Think about our lives and how short they are and what do we do in this life and do we enjoy the moments? I start thinking, how old is, how long has that tree been there? Who else has sat under that tree? Who sustains and grows that tree? There's some trees uptown. Walk on the square. They are gigantic. I'm like, I actually was in uh, Infeld's the other day and there's an old picture of the square. I'm like, I think those trees are in that picture. They've been here for that long. It puts things into perspective. My life is short, it's fleeting. These things have been around forever and somebody keeps this thing going. Man, then I start watching kids play on the trees. I enjoy the day, I enjoy the moment. So that's first. I read a story about a guy, um, enjoy the gift of beauty. It was in Sarajevo back in like 1992. There was a bombing, killed 22 people at a bakery. And this cellist wasn't sure what to do. He had gone down, saw the destruction. So he went and grabbed his cello. And he started playing. He played there for 22 days. Why? Why would you do that? He said, I want to bring beauty into darkness. I want to bring a good thing into a bad thing. And he went around the whole time, bombing's still happening, and he would play in graveyards, at funerals, at different places. He just, he brought beauty with him wherever he went. And the last thing, which I think is pretty good, is just be the answer to your own prayer. Lots of times we think about people in our lives who are in the midst of darkness, and we pray for them. God, do something. God, help them. I read a story where a person was saying that to God. He was so mad. His friend was dying of cancer. And he went and sat with him and sat with him. He said, God, where are you? God was like, where am I? I'm in you. You are being me. What do you hear in this room all the time? You're the only Bible most people will ever read. What are they reading? We're praying for people. Go be the answer to your prayer. Go meet with them. Go sit with them. Bring them a meal. You don't have to say the right thing. Just go be with them. Presence. Don't be absent. Be present. So I'm going to have a Lily come up. A little while ago I asked Liv if she would write a song about Psalm 88. And she graciously said yes. So we read Psalm 88. Now would you just Listen. salvation I cry out day and night before you hear my tears let my prayer come before you my soul is full of trouble my life stands next to hell Say I'm good as dead And I have no strength I'm like a corpse Haunting the graves You've forgotten me Under all of these ways Even friends Growing dim Does a dead man 
this pit, oh Lord, I'll still cry to you in the morning sun. Once again, I'll pray to you, cause Jesus, you are the one who suffered for my sake. Please show me your face. I'm tired of this constant pain. I'm like a I pray. Father, you bring beauty in the darkness. What a unique opportunity we have in this life to praise you, to live with you, and to walk with you. Pray, God, that uh, we would know today that you are never absent, that you are always near. Let's ask you to give us your eyes. Give us your eyes today so we see your goodness in all you do. Amen.